So what we are about in this class, for those of you who it may be your first time here, is earnestly desiring, recognizing that throughout history, God has been active in pursuing his people. And uh, recognizing that sometimes the places that we've come from, whether it's family relationships or the, the kind of church that we grew up in, we may not have fully accessed all that God has for us. And we look and we see in people's lives um, varying degrees, not just of spirituality, but of peace, but of joy. And we know that uh, if God's word is true, that Jesus came to give us abundant life. And so this class is about saying, Father, we know that your promises are true. We know that you have more for us um, than we may previously have experienced. We want to draw near. We come with open hands. We're willing to let go of things maybe that we have held on to that aren't from you so that we can receive things from you um, that you intend to help not only to make our lives more full, but to allow us to be a source of blessing, to become a conduit through which your grace and your love and your forgiveness can be extended to those around us in a world that is hurt uh, and so in need of healing. And so as a, as a smaller community within the Otter Creek family, we have gathered um, over the course of this last nine weeks and really over the course of the last few years uh, and saying, we want to walk more in step with you. We want to know what that is about. Uh, and we've been blessed to have Andy, who's had a journey that is really different maybe than some of our backgrounds, but has allowed us to, to look afresh uh, and, and to, to, to see there might be more for us. And so what might that look like? And, and let's go to the scriptures and let's just openly try to pursue walking with God. Um, and so in this little interim where Andy's was going to be away, uh, the Kegels and, and, and I got together and kind of said, let's look at some of uh, some, some stuff that we could introduce that will help people as we prepare for the summer and continuing our, our studies. And the thing that we centered on was the idea of how do we interact with God? How, what does that really look like? Um, growing up, I, I was, I think, as earnest as you can be, um, but yet I still struggled with, with prayer. It felt like um, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm looking. Okay, I know that there's a way that you can pray through the scriptures, and I would try to do that, and, and, and the discipline involved with that was always like a struggle and wanting to do that, especially as you get older and you have more responsibilities and things going on. And so I recognized um, at some point in life, uh, there's this, this, this desire, to, like I want to produce fruit. I'm trying, I'm struggling. Um, and this image when I was in college that Walt Lever shared um, as I was at church at Otter Creek, I mean at uh, Antioch, was of, the, of an, an orchard an orange orchard and, and, and like the image that stayed with me is you don't hear the trees struggling to produce fruit it comes naturally it's a result of the nourishment that sustains them it's what they were made to do and so it doesn't sound like a factory it's something that should be evident um, and so through that, um, I think I, I grew up with more of a works orientation than I had realized. Uh, and so it has been an endeavor since then to say, okay, it's not about what I do. Um, it is about who God is and how he wants to nurture me and how he wants um, to help me till the soil of my life um, and to, uh, to, to, to bear fruit, not 
for any benefit of me per se, but for those who are around us. And it's just such a freeing way to live when you take the focus off yourself and what you're trying to attain or, or who you want to be for God and to recognize what he really wants is relationship with you. And so thinking about how we interact with God up to this point, we've looked at four foundations and I'm a little less ambitious this time. I thought we could kind of scoot through those four during the first week. Um, and, and we've ended up taking two weeks to get through those. So today, maybe look at the final two foundations is what my target is um, so that we can continue on um, a, a little bit more. And today I'm excited about how I think there's a, a bit more um, practically that we can do to start trying to purposefully say, hey, Father, I, I want to interact with you. So just a brief review, because I know that there are some people who, aren't here, who haven't been here in the previous weeks. And so foundational issues, things that we truly believe change the way that we, uh, the way that we respond or the way that we act. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard someone say, um, you can mentally assent to the fact that, oh, I know I need to eat better, I know I need to exercise more, or my health is going to go downhill as I get older. Um, and so we have this knowledge, but it's not until there's some kind of crisis that it becomes a belief. There's something bad that happens, and you realize, if I don't change something, the outcome isn't going to be good. And you went from a head knowledge to a heart understanding, and then you suddenly have the ability to make those changes that before weren't very important. Uh, well, you said they were important, but your actions didn't say that, right? And so when we're thinking about foundational issues, we have a lot of head knowledge about God and about the Spirit, um, about relationship with Him, but until it's a, a foundational core belief that we realize, okay, I'm, I'm tired of the way that it's always felt like my prayers only hit the ceiling. Uh, I'm tired of feeling like I am working and trying to accomplish all of these things, uh, even for the glory of God. When it's about me and me, I'm tired of that until we realize, no, God really seeks relationship. Until we really, that's a core foundational belief, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be that tension and we're not going to see the fruit as it could be. And so this first truth is that God is after relationship. Um, all of our classes are present, you know, you can go online and you can go back and listen to them. So if there's something that I don't fully explain here and you want to know more about, you can go to the Otter Creek webpage and find uh, the, all of the podcasts of our classes. But the thing that I remember most from this first foundation, as we looked at understanding the makeup of man, that we are um, a body, but we are also have a spirit and we have a soul. There's this three a fold uh, nature of God, uh, which I think, well, that's so interesting because we're made in God's image and it can help us to understand Trinity a lot better the way that there are these three different parts of, of, of us that we sometimes don't uh, understand fully or have not really been thoughtful about. And in that, man by himself was incomplete. And so woman was created so that there could be this intimate relationship that was there. And so when we look at God's motivation for, for creation, um, it's not that he needed anything, but his nature uh, says that mankind isn't complete without um, this relationship with someone else. And it reflects that what God is really seeking for in man is people to relate with. 
And sometimes we are so in our heads about relationship, like we figured out the scripture and we understand um, and we're reaching to him, but the, the spirit and the soul within us uh, sometimes don't get to play um, because it's just the head that is, uh, that is trying to connect with him. And so when we think about our interpersonal relationships in the world, they would be pretty, um, pretty dry if all we had was an intellectual connection with someone. Uh, and so as we think about this relationship with God, there, he's made our spirits to commune with him, with his spirit. Uh, and when we think about walking with the spirit, we need to be understanding how do we, how do we approach him? How, you know, but before we can get there, we have to realize he really wants relationship. Think about uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, how they heard his voice and they were used to this fellowship with God. That in our, in our purest form is the way we, we should can, uh, you know, we should have relationship with the Lord, understanding and hearing him, anticipating his presence um, and, and enjoying uh, that relationship. So that's what he wants, but he's not human. And the way in which uh, he's going to relate to us will be through spirit. Uh, and so that is a challenge for us. And as we think about that uh, particular foundational truth, um, we recognize we're the ones that have to, to do some learning and figuring out, okay, how do we, how do we allow our spirit uh, to hear him and to be um, receptive to his movement? God, although he is not human, he's not changing, um, he knows who we are completely. He formed us from the dust of the earth. He breathed inspiration into Adam. And uh, he has made us with a capacity to relate with him. And he knows our weakness. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies and we can't see past our weakness to um, his ultimate destiny for us, for his plan, for who he wants us to be. We inhibit that because we're too familiar with our weakness. And when we think about um, how we live and experiencing this, this reality, hey, that we have been saved by grace and that, that our sin nature, uh, we've, been, we've been recast into something new and different. Uh, and as, an, uh, you know, as a new creature, we should be experiencing the, the empowering of God to overcome things. All we can see sometimes is, yeah, I've always struggled with that. Yeah, that's just and, and an acceptance that um, it's almost like we are, if we're not careful, we're more filled with faith about the fact we're going to fall, that we're going to sin because we're weak, than we are in God's power to help us to overcome that. And so where we place our faith sometimes uh, can be an obstacle for us. Uh, and so God knows our weakness. Jesus walked as a man and was tempted in every point, as are we. And so one of the, one of the things that we have to recognize uh, is that how we see God looking at us is really important. And some people may have a mentality of God who is, is strictly you know, judging us and measuring us in the scales um, and, and feel as if he's almost waiting to see and then so disappointed that, yep, I knew it. I knew you were going to trip up there again. Um, but that's not the God we read of in Scripture. The prodigal's father, 
who is waiting and, and yearning for us. And I think becoming a parent has helped me more than anything to understand this, the way that we see even in their failures, even when you, uh, you're so disappointed in choices that were made, there's this overwhelming love and a desire uh, to, to see them grow and to have their best uh, intent. And we who are sinful, <laughs> if we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more so the Father. So as we look down, as we see God looking down, what's the expression on his face for you? Um, it is one of love and of desiring for more relationship and f to help you to overcome any of the challenges because he knows our weakness. And then last week we were looking um, quite a bit at, okay, so let's look at how did this um, communication, how can we see it best as an example, what it could and should look like. Uh, we looked at the life of Jesus in the scriptures uh, from John that talk about how Jesus said, um, I could do nothing except that the Father show me. I can do only what he tells me to do. And you see a life subjected to the authority of the Father, even in the perfect bodily form of the Trinity that's living on the earth. There's such a connection. And, you know, I think I always had been uh, impressed. Well, wow, if Jesus needs to be in prayer, I know I need to be in prayer, but I don't understand how that should look and how that should be. Um, but I see it's even more than just like he needed to be in prayer. He needed to be hearing from God in prayer and through scripture to know what is the right, what are the right, right words to say? I say nothing except what he tells me to say. And in my mind, I kind of felt like, well, Jesus... <laughs> He's kind of um, like superhuman, and so he has all of this knowledge just that's inherent in him. And so in any situation, he's going to have the exact right thing to say because he is able to reason and figure it out. But, but what Jesus says himself was, without that relationship with God, I couldn't do it. And so even in your best version of you where you are uh, you know, living and walking in complete step, you feel, it's still not going to be within your power to live fully out the life that God wants without the relationship. And I think that that was kind of a revolutionary thought for me as well, because being a good American, <laughs> we want to work ourselves up and we want to arrive and we want to have arrived and we want to prove how much we love the Lord or how much we're willing to sacrifice, but that's not what he's calling for. He's calling for a relationship that's going to be with us until the very last day. What a beautiful um, example. I think we all have known people who, even up to the, the point of their death, <laughs> you see that vital relationship with God. You see, um, wow, that's so challenging. Uh, either the way they're accepting this or the word of wisdom or insight into my life that they share right up until the end. It's because they've drunk, drunk deeply, not just from the word of God, but are in relationship with God and his grace flows through them. It, in really powerful ways. And so what does that look like? There's a chain of command. And in the same way that Jesus was under the Father, all the words that talk about the Spirit's role and Jesus saying, hey, it's good that I go. 
so that then the comforter will come for you. Something transformational happens after, after the cross and after Pentecost that people are able, at this point, the, the, the fall has been corrected by the sacrificial atonement of Jesus. Mankind can be reunited. It's kind of like Eden restored. The relationship can be there. God can dwell not only among his people in the holiest of holies, but within our hearts. And his spirit communicates to us. And we can, in the same way that Jesus said, without the Father, I could do nothing. And we can say without without the, the Spirit, without His power um, helping us to see clearly and helping us to discern the right path, um, I can't be who God wants me to be. And we won't see the fruits that God intended until we are able to follow this chain of command um, and, and really be one as God intended us to be. So those are kind of the back, that's kind of the background. Um, today we're going to get to, okay, so what would that look like? Let's say I buy in. <laughs> Let's say I think that this is, all, this is all true and there is more. What are steps that we can do and what can we do? So foundation five says, let's, let's really start looking at, so what would this look like? I, am, I feel pretty comfortable with how the Spirit speaks to us through the Word. This truth says, um, there's going to be two things that we're going to look for, both internal and external. God wishes to lead us by His Spirit, and that this is one major way we can tell who the sons of God are. It's rather simplistic, but He speaks to us from where He dwells, and He dwells in our spirits. And so the passage uh, that inspired these thoughts are from Romans 8.14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we see that leading again, like Jesus um, was led by His Father. The Spirit's purpose is to help to lead us. God is spirit. His primary and preferred way of communicating with us is spirit to spirit. There are many, many ways and avenues that God may use to speak to us. In the Bible, you can see a vast array of things and people God has used. And then there's, here's the list. <laughs> he used prophets. He used dreams, visions, circumstances, fleeces, the drawing of straws, Voices, doors, counsel, trials, signs, the word, animals. And if you go to Bible study looking for, well, how does God communicate and how has he communicated? Maybe you relate to some of these even in your personal life. You're like, I know that God doesn't change. He's the same today as he's always been. And so these avenues that he's used to other people, I want to be open to those. And maybe you've experienced some of these types of things. But from the word, these are ways that we see throughout history that God has reacted in initiating communication. A lot of those were externals. But remember, for all of these external means, Satan has a counterfeit duplicate. And I think that that is one of the things, like as we are studying together, that we want to pump the brakes a lot of times because sometimes it feels like, oh, I've always been taught that emotion can be dangerous. You can, you can trick yourself into believing whatever you want. Um, and there is a dangerous downplay in our society of, uh, of the reality of Satan. Uh, of the belief that there is another force that is at work that has an ill intent for us. 
Um, and we want to kind of rational, rationalize away or explain away uh, the presence of an evil force that, that could be tripping us up uh, or, or intending us to stumble. And so let's, let's just be reminded by Scripture. It says, he can appear as an angel of light. And maybe we painfully have um, examples of, of people in our lives who we've seen be led away or deceived um, by a belief or a, 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 you know, a relationship that you can't figure out how is this possible. Um, there had to be some involvement that was very strategic that allowed them to fall from what they once were to, to where they are now. Um, and part of that is the uh, ability to appear as being truthful, as being an angel of light. He can cause people to say, thing to us, say things to us that seem prophetic. He can perform signs and wonders and cause circumstances to turn out a certain way. Remember, he's been given power to be the Lord of this world. He can prompt people to say things to us. He can twist the words, uh, the word for his purposes. Even if Satan is not involved, well-meaning but misguided people can give us bad counsel. Parents can miss God's will for us when blinded by their own desires for us. Friends can say nice things, but not always true things. There will be some mixture of flesh and God in almost all human counsel. Even our own motives are often mixed. So this is why um, this notion of walking with the Spirit isn't something that everybody just rushes into because we recognize discernment is really important and am I mature enough like to sort it out and sometimes it may feel easier just to retreat into something that is safe, something that's maybe even predictable and solid. Tradition, we hold to it for a reason. We like stability. We like the idea that our kids are going to grow up and have a, 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 an experience that's in some way similar to what we've had. Um, and, and even if it's maybe not all that God wants, it's really good, right? Um, and as we, you know, and as we start thinking about, okay, I, I want to be more open, recognizing that Satan is a prowling lion, that his desire is to snatch those, and especially those who are dangerously close to becoming the conduits of God's grace in a world so in need, um, you might get a target on your back. Uh, and, and so recognizing while we enter into this, this is going to be a place where it's so important that we can reconnect. And a few weeks ago when we were talking about, um, talking about like personal experiences, I'm grateful that so many were able to share what, what it, being led by the Spirit, like how it has felt. Um, and for some of us, like we have enough familiarity with that spirit, with that drawing, the pulling, whether it's pulling on the heartstrings uh, or whether it's an idea that comes to us, um, like I know that I wasn't thinking about that and I know I need to follow up on this. Um, we need to continue to be like studying ourselves to, um, to see where is this coming from? And so let's look at how do we, how do we sharpen our discernment? So, in final analysis, the decision on whether something is from God 
Only we're the ones who can make that. We must discern what we see and hear to tell if it really is from Him. And we do this through the combined use of His Word and His Spirit within our hearts and within our spirits. Even when He uses outside sources, it is at the end of the day God speaking within us that must dictate our direction. We must be able to discern that if it is God speaking and uh, our minds must make the decision to respond to His communication. <coughs> and so in the, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, uh, am I faithfully responding? One of the things that we talked about is quenching the Spirit when we, um, when we are, are, are being led by fear, when we are being led by our own motivations, um, and we intentionally don't hear or forgetfully um, don't respond, we're putting up inhibitors to, to growing in the relationship. And so we see all of these different things that are being funneled down through the word, and ultimately we can come to a decision, even if it doesn't seem to be in our best interest, and sometimes those are the hardest ones, like it's going to be uncomfortable at work for me to talk about this practice that I, I don't think is honoring to God in the way that we do business. In the end, how I've resolved those things is I look and I say, well, well, who do I become? What does this look like 10 years from now if I stuff that? Um, where do I stand in relationship with the Father if this is what I've arrived at and I, I retreat rather than to lean into his leading um, and, and following? Uh, I'll, I'll remind you that one of the things that I think is really true in this um, pursuit of relationship with God, the principle of being faithful with little to him who little is given, um, or to him who much has been given, um, but thinking about like how do you respond with that? In the parable of the talents, if you use what he's given you, you're entrusted with more. If you don't receive those things, you are, <laughs> you're cut out of the picture um, in terms of, uh, of ability to grow. And so we need to faithfully respond. Uh, and after we've gone through these processes, get to that place where, okay, I am at peace and understanding. I really believe that this is what God is, is, is leading or asking me to do. Um, and so all sorts of things may happen externally but they're going to be funneled through the sieve of first the truth of the word and then the peace of God within our spirits. So John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. And from Colossians 3, 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So we want to determine to be much more aware as we come with open hands and as we seek the leading from the Father, we're going to start to notice our circumstances. We're going to be praying, Lord, bring me people, help me to have a word. And we're going to start to see He shows up. He is active in this world and He wants to be more active in our lives. And as we, in the small things, start to say yes, our certainty of that and our realization of that is enlivened. 
and we start to experience something different than the monotonous, here's my cycle of my Christian life. I get up and, and uh, diligently and faithfully have a time alone with God. Um, and then I go to work and I do my work world. I come home and I do my family responsibilities. And then I will try to pray before I go to sleep. And sometimes I'm really tired and that doesn't go so well. And then I get up the next day and I'm faithfully at it again. And this disconnect, um, this compartmentalization that especially we men are really good at, doesn't lend itself to relationship. We might have experienced that even in our family lives, right? So um, those who we see and who we have professed in front of big numbers of people to, um, to be a certain kind of person uh, in small community with, um, we've experienced like what that compartmentalization can do in those interpersonal relationships. What do you think it does to the God that we can't see, that we can't embrace, that we, that we have to search out for and to make space and time for? Um, and so in, in this process, like if, if this is foundational, if we really believe the one who created the universe loves us so much that he wants to be in relationship with us, our antennas need to be reset. Um, what we look for, what we seek, how we seek him, um, and how we expect him to be alive and active in the world might be bigger than just planning to meet with us for 15 minutes or half an hour in the morning, right? Um, it, it's, it's mu- it, he wants much more than that. And guess what? He doesn't just want our intellect. That's not a very fruitful relationship. And he's, he's about demonstrating who he is to the world. And he's chosen to do it through us. You guys see how like, magnificent that is and how beautiful that is? The second incarnation Jesus in first form, making it clear who God intends for us to be. The church in the second form as the body of Christ, expressing it beyond what he was able to do in limited time and space form, right? Like we've been invited into something that is so humbling, but so exciting. So again, this idea of letting the peace. So what does that feel like? What does that look like? Um, the word rule, and I'm a words person. I think that this is important. Um, in Colossians 3, it means to act as a judge or umpire. So the peace of Christ. What does an umpire do? What's his job? I'm doing softball. They call a lot more balls than strikes at the current level <laughs> that our girls are playing. But his job is pretty simple, right? Ball, strike, safer out. Those are pretty simple calls, right? Cut and dried. So if the peace of Christ in our heart is to rule us like an umpire, I hate uncertainty. <laughs> How about you guys? Um, I am not, like Catherine and I, probably one of the biggest struggles for us is that Neither one of us has a really strong opinion on things. Like, let's, let's go out to eat. Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? And God helped to solve that for us by giving us a firstborn who knows exactly what she wants and exactly what we should do. Um, and that doesn't feel so good either. Um, but if we invite his spirit and his peace into our lives, 
He can let us know, especially on those, vi- on those things that do matter, his peace or an unsettled feeling can tell us. And sometimes it's just it, the timing isn't right. And you all know, relate, you know things where you felt like, oh, I jumped in too early with that. If I could have just waited. If I would have thought about it before I sent that email a second time. Um, things could have been so much different. And so, like, are you a student of your life and your experiences and how God could have used you differently? Um, are you prayerful about those things? Are you mindful? Um, his, his peace that goes beyond our understanding can prompt us to either pull back the reins or absolutely not, or this is the time, move forward. Um, so act as a judge or an umpire. That is, there's a certain inward peaceful sense or confirmation when it is God directing and speaking. Even if outwardly we are anxious and circumstances swirl around us, the storm cannot penetrate to the place of God's peace in the Holy of Holies within us. We must cultivate this place with God. Notice that garden language? We have to cultivate it. The Word of God stands as a border to keep us from falling over a cliff. It keeps us within the safe boundaries. So how do we know for sure that um, this isn't something from God, that that we're not being let? Well, there's this safe border of His Word that His Spirit is never (laughs) going to violate that. We probably all have friends who have said, well, I don't love my wife anymore and God has confirmed that I'm supposed to love this other person. That's between them and God, but when I think about the safe boundaries of the Word of God, that seems like that's more than a step removed. And the peace of God, His confirmation, His sense of rightness, operates within that set of borders. In my personal experience, it's been kind of like the peeling of an onion. When all of these circumstances are swirling and you're uncertain and you look at yourself and you ask God, help me to see my motives. Help me to know, like, as I'm making this big decision that's going to affect my family, am I being selfish? You know, am am I insecure in this place and I'm wanting to move to another place for another reason? As you start peeling those layers back, you get to your heart of hearts And then you get to a place where you can say, no, this is what's the core. This is what's driving this. And that sounds like God, or that sounds like me about to make a big mistake. Um, And and it's not easy, but it's being reflective, okay? Um, So his confirmation, his sense of rightness operates within that set of borders, the word. External circumstances are mainly attention getters. They help you to see, you know, God, I'm looking, give me a sign, give me a relationship, uh, give me um, something that will demonstrate that you're here and at work and and, and wanting to guide me. Those seek, um, they get us to seek his face for insight and direction. And I think about that, you know, Andy all the time talks about clearing off the front seat of his car so that the spirit can ride with him. And he'll talk about what an encounter as simple as getting a haircut or going through a checkout line, how God can transform that into a moment that someone on the other side receives a word of grace that their heart needed. Um, Who doesn't want to be that, right? Who in here doesn't want to be the kind of person that brings life 
and confirmation that you are loved and cared for by a holy God. Like that's what a what a privilege, right? That may require us to get out of ourselves and the plans that we have for our day and for our lives and to say, God, you've uniquely created me for a purpose that I may have missed. And I don't want to finish this race and be at a completely different destination than what you had intended for me. And so guide me, give me insight, help me to see the direction that you want for us. So there is no substitute to taking the time to seek his face concerning guidance and interpretation of other external things. God speaks of this need to come near to him in many places in scripture. There's no shortcut to relationship with him. He wants us to know him and his ways. And he's so faithful. Uh, my favorite of these is draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You know, as we seek to draw near to him, as unfaithful as we may be, he is always faithful and wants nothing more. Think about with your own children in your life. Um, you're going to make the time when you know that they are earnestly seeking after you. And uh, that is a beautiful picture. If we, keep, if we seek and keep seeking, we'll find what we need. He will show up. Our times in the Word and our prayer times can be transformed from mere acts of obedience and evidence of a good conscience before the Lord into something much more. He wants to commune with us. That always um, is a compelling part of the communion service for me. When I think about the worldwide nature of the church sharing communion around the world, um, and that he instructed it to be such an integral part of what we do, reminds me that that's the relationship he's looking. He wants to be in us and to work through us. He wants to nourish us. He wants, um, he wants us to come again and again as a community, but as individuals as well. He wants to commune with us deeply. He desires to be our companion, to walk beside us, to make us more aware of what he is doing all around us and to empower us to be used for his purposes. In short, he wants abundant living for us. He wants to bless others through us. Okay, we're going to go to a Psalm of David here in just a second. Um, but I want that just to, to pause and to let that sink in for just a minute. The truth of that, if we really could, could grab a hold of it, could really experience it, there's a lot of counterfeits um, in the world that vie for our time and vie for our loyalties. Once you've tasted of this, it helps you to recognize the deceiver's role in putting other things in front of you to distract you. He's had a lot of, a lot of years to watch our weaknesses um, and, and to lay in front of us Things that might even be good, but not the ultimate plan that God has for us. Um, and, and most of the time, will tend to shape us more into self-seeking and self-pleasing people. Uh, and so let's look at this Psalm of David. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. 
I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. This is a beautiful picture of God's desire to communicate with us. The wording is deep and wonderful. Instruct means to make wise and prudent. Teach, to point out the specific direction. Shoot as an arrow, give specific counsel. Counsel, to advise, consult with, to guide. This means that God wants this for us, these things. One, to give us the background or general information we need ahead of time. To two, point us on the specific path we should take. And three, to go with us to be our counsel and guide in the journey. And the prerequisite to avail ourselves of this type of help is to come near to God. Do we believe His Word? Do we believe His purposes? Do we, do we recognize how much He wants to be a part? Like, as frustrated as I am now with my own children, um, in certain areas, I look and I think, oh, I've been more frustrating to my Heavenly Father. How, you know, how convicting that is to say, when's the last time that I've really, on a day-to-day -day basis, hey, you've given me this position with a hundred kids to talk about world history. What do you want me to say today? I know I have a lesson plan and I know I'm being evaluated, but is there something going on in the world today? Is there something in my life that I need to be sharing with them? Because um, we can... We can lock it in and put it on cruise control and never even recognize that we've been given opportunities that only we have. And it's up to me to hear you. And that, that's too big for me on my own. Guide me. I've got the background, like a lot of us get stuck on this background number one stage, background and in information and gathering, uh, that we don't see ourselves as arrows that are being... Um, shot toward a target or a specific goal. Um, and lots of times, one of the reasons that we don't like it is we're fearful that, like for me, oh, you want that really difficult kid in my class to know for sure that God sees him and God loves him and that he is valuable and that's gonna be messy. <laughs> it's so much easier just to go with my nice lesson plan for today, right? Um, and so, so that, is, that, is, that is part. Well, it looks like we probably aren't going to um, make it <laughs> through all of even number five here. Um, how much time do we have? Is it, is it over? It's 10.47. Okay, so we have a couple minutes. Let's, um, let me try to get you through the end of five here really quick. This is another example um, from Elihu, uh, a good the, the, the good advice giver to Job. Um, maybe just write down the reference if this is, if you're tracking with this and want to look a little bit more on your own. Um, this PowerPoint will be made available on class as well so that you can go back and, and reread or, or do a little bit more. Um, but when we're thinking about externals to control or guide your life, um, Job, of course, is suffering tremendously. It says, indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices. In a dream, and a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men, while they slumber in their beds, 
Then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man from pride. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into Sheol. Eli, uh, Elihu then goes on to talk about how God resorts to disease, calamity. He gets, it gets bigger and bigger if you're not getting uh, the message. And God affirms Elihu in this discourse later in Job. If the still small voice doesn't get our attention, then the still big two by four to the head just might. Um, but that is not God's best. He never used that means with Jesus. And so um, my prayer has always been, help me to hear the still small voice. Help me to be so in tune with, with who you are and what your plan is for me that I can learn the easy way, um, that I can hear and obey and, and not get to that place where you really have to, to shake things up um, to make it happen. Um, I don't know that, that we're going to have to, I'm, I'm just going to introduce this because one of the ways that we so often hear people spiritualize what this looks like is doors and fleeces. Um, well, God opened a door for me. Like I wasn't looking for it and it just opened. And so in thinking about the biblical nature of that, when doors are used in the Bible, it's for very specific purposes. It's usually not um, related in any way to an individual's call. It's about um, a call to go to another place to spread the gospel and the enemy is all over it. And this door is being forced open. The kingdom of hell cannot prevail against the word going forth. This door is being cracked open and the enemy has a stronghold, but we're going forward. Those are the kinds of doors that we, we, we um, read about um, in these five times that it's used in scripture. It's to minister to someone else under adverse circumstances. Uh, and so when we think about doors, we might need to be suspect a little bit more of, oh, is it just my motivation and what I want? Oh, the door was open and I wasn't searching. I, 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 should, I should blithely walk in. Um, the other one was with, with fleeces. And that's from the story of Gideon. And lots of times it's like, well, I want to do God's will. And so I'm going to put it out there. And if he confirms it or if he doesn't, I'm going to let that guide me. Uh, and there are some dangers with that. And maybe we'll start next week with what does this look like practically? Because we can fall into some pitfalls um, as we are seeking, uh, seeking direction. I know that I said a lot of words today, and I hope that um, what moved in your spirit, what connected with you will stay. Uh, anything that was just too many words will fall to the wayside. Um, but this topic is so important and so meaningful. Um, I, I like better when we have time to process things through, and some of my favorite times have been when we've been sharing. Uh, and so I hope that, I know that Andy will, uh, in the summer, provide more time for us, but I hope that there's some meat here that will help you as you think about day to day, how can I go forward? It's with open hands, um, and it is with the expectation that a good father will meet us in that. Thank you very much. Have a blessed rest of the week.